desire is the most powerful of human desires. When driven by this desire, men develop keenness of imagination, courage, willpower, persistence, and creative ability unknown to them at other times. So strong and impelling is the desire for sexual contact that men freely run the risk of life and reputation to indulge in. When harnessed and redirected along other lines, this motivating force maintains all of its attributes of keenness of imagination, courage, etc which may be used as powerful creative forces in literature, art, or in any other profession or calling, including, of course, the accumulation of riches. Napoleon Hill. Okay, you might remember this. Yes! So, yeah, I do. Uh, if you don't, go back to the last episode and refresh your memory. Yes! So, I can't guarantee that all episodes are going to be this good, but... Yes! So, there might be. Yes! So, and if they're not, well, you can always come back and refresh this one. Yes! So it's, it, it is us becoming that thing. So if there's a problem in your business, don't look at your business and try to solve the problem because you're always going to be perpetually solving that same problem. Go internally and figure out where that reflection is. And then, bam, everything goes smooth sailing kind of after that until you find the next thing that's wrong with your business but that's why being an entrepreneur is the best personal development course there is because <laughs> you, know, you kind of have to in order to float that boat it's so true i mean like i said you know i i mean i genuinely was i was struggling i really was i mean i was i was your typical american tax accountant that works for themselves which was struggling to make, you know, 40, 50, 60,000 dollars a year in gross revenue, and that's primarily on the tax prep side of it, you know? And all of a sudden to go from that to multi six figures, right? And a lot of that came from truly this right here changing. And I will I will say that the universe because it already in many ways it already knew what was what, right? Like trust me, the stories I could share some I cannot because of non-disclosure agreements thanks to my attorneys. Um <laughs> There are some, there are, yes, by the way, that's probably the best. If you want ultimate shields in a business, it's called paying for a part-time legal counsel. Not the cheap $36 a month people we're talking. We're talking, you got to spend some money on a lawyer. Be Go to Heather Pierce Campbell on the website and you'll find the podcast with her and you will know a good lawyer. This is true. I can vouch for her. She's amazing sauce. Um, so what, at the end of the day, we need counsel, right? You have to have counsel, and especially when you, start, when you start making more money and become more robust, right? You do need counsel because counsel becomes your shield, right? Let's just be real here. So needless to say, I can share with you how powerful the development of self and as our business and how it takes off, right? Because like I said a minute ago, because of the NDAs, I can't give too many details other than to say that the universe would bring me the events that transpired in my life over the last few months, technically the last few years, to end up in the most momentous propulsion of self-discovery one can imagine. It's like equivalent to, um, I don't know, waking up one day and all of a sudden you can speak French. I don't know. It's like, it's like this moment of like crazy sauce. And the reason why I really fundamentally believe this to be true is because I am aware of the only person that truly doubled their investment while working with somebody. I'm the only one that I'm aware of that's doubled their investment by working with somebody else. Like with a coach? In this industry, yes. Wow. So um, the clearly you don't know my clients. 
I'll, I'll introduce you to my clients and maybe you can introduce me to some of these people because yeah, that's, that's the whole point of coaching is you should be doubling your results at a minimum, right? Double, double, double at a yeah. minimum. So needless to say, like, because that happened and then everything else that would transpire thereafter, like I realized that this was part of the journey that I was meant to go through what I had to go through a, to show me what bully looks like in business what bully looks like is when someone negotiates the price lower. That's bullying, right? When someone says to you, oh, you know, I'll just think about it, click, and they hang up the phone. That's bullying. You don't need to go chase them, right? Two objections, I'm out. Don't come back. If you want to, sure, you're going to go through the whole process all over again. But you get twice. You're going to hit me twice, and that's it. No more. I'm done. I'm out, right? Like, I'm not going to battered wife and get around and get beat up, right? Or battered husband. I ain't into that business. Unless it's BDSM, that's a whole different story. But <laughs> the point is, is, right, like, you're going to object a couple of times. So mm-hmm. I learned that bullies exist in business just as much as they do in real life. And that's important. Yeah. Because just like you said right now, business, business is an extension of who we are. And so if they bully your business, we do that. They do that through lowering the price, refusing to pay you, saying that you're unprofessional, you didn't fulfill your under the contract, trying to throw you under the bus, claim things that are untrue about you. They do that by badgering your staff. They do that by last second emergency questions, desires, and whatnot that they want fulfilled. This is what bullies do. And because they do that out of our desire to be loved so bad, we're willing to put up with it. And so then we continue to do the job, even though they're not paying you. You know what I mean? You might as well be their undisclosed sex slave And so then what happens is we are completely, utterly devalued. Mm -hmm. We are made to feel no better than a surf, plain and simple as that. And so this person taught me the power of the lawyer and the shields. Had I not been for my eight-page contract, my internal house counsel, this case would have been interesting, needless to say, but it got settled, right? All for the purpose of teaching me the importance of how bullies exist. And here's what I also know. It also taught me that when I speak the truth, I am the most protected. And that's why I don't have fear to come out and say, business, there are people in our industry and in the world that will bully you into making you do things you don't want to do, be on your personal level or be in your business life. That's the honest truth. And you just got to figure out, one has to just figure out how to stand up to them Put your foot down. That's the boundaries check. That's the, oh, whoa, 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 whoa. I gave you my price. Now I'm going to double it because now you're bitching about it, right? Or whatever. I'm just joking. (laughs) But you know, you get the idea, right? Like it's about stepping into our power and not having shame. So funny story. Out of all of that came something I didn't want to be. I didn't want to be an authority. I didn't want to be an authority figure, right? Because in my childhood, the authority figure was the mother that would beat you up if you talked back right? The authority figure were the aunts and uncles that would spank you if you talked back or you did something incorrect, right? Even though you felt you were right. So I associated that unconsciously. Authority asshole, authority bitch, authority, right? Like this is what I associated (laughs) with. And I didn't want to be that. And it wasn't until I started to disassociate and go, actually, you know what? A person who has a lot of authority means they value themselves. They truly fundamentally value who they are. And it's funny you say that. We have one uh, section in our programs where we teach people how to time block if they need it to manage their time. And they need to be able to respect the decisions that they make. So at the beginning of the week, we get them to lay out the week and go, okay, what are my 
kind of my big rocks and what do I need to get done this week in order to feel productive and useful and all that. And it's funny because a lot of my clients are just like me because <laughs> I'm a reflection of my business and I like hanging around with me. So I have clients like me, um, but they have authority issues and they're like, I, I saw the time and I went, fuck you. Nobody's telling me what to do. <laughs> it's like, Dude, you, you set the time, you know that, right? <laughs> so, yeah, I know. Mm-hmm. So we have to deal with those authority issues, even in order to be able to do the things that we said we wanted to do. And that it's a, yeah, it's very enlightening for some people to go, oh my God, that's totally what I'm doing. Like, yeah, it is. And you're self-sabotaging and it's getting rid of shit. And, it's just, and it, is a, it is technically a cycle, right? Mm-hmm. Um, when I was oh, getting absolutely. my master's degree in education, um, I decided that if I was going to get my, my master's, I, would get, I mean, my doctorate, it would be in economics. I find it very fascinating personally. But what Harvard Payne, she's this, she's this amazing, like, I think she was a social, she was a, what they call a social economic professor, something like this. And so she studies education as it relates to one's economic background. And so she, she, she wrote a book and basically it says that there is the cycle, she calls it the cycle of poverty, right? It makes total sense. And so mm-hmm. when you're born into poverty, that's all that you know. And because it's all you know, you typically go to the wrong school, you go to lot the wrong schools, but you go to low funded schools. That was my case. Or in my case, you moved every three months. Mm-hmm. I don't, I'm such a God, I'm a badass genius because I don't know how I graduated high school with a 3.98 GPA for basically a straight A kid. Graduated number four out of like 400 students. Got a full paid university ride to university. I had to blow that one up. But anyway, I digress. Like, how does a kid <laughs> that smart survive being moved every three months when he was a kid? And so my mom would move us because she can't pay the rent, right? So she'd move right. us to a new place. So the cycle of poverty goes, okay, well, you're born poor, right? You typically go to the wrong schools because you can't go to nicer schools. So you get, you have no access to these higher end schools. You typically don't have access to the right uh, social programs. All these things you are, you have the rights and, you know, you don't have access to. And so of course, what that does is it continues to perpetuate the cycle of poverty. And so you keep maintain. And mm-hmm. it's something like, I think she said something like one out of like a hundred people born into poverty or something like that actually overcome the cycle of poverty. And what's interesting is that my family could totally be a study for psychology because my mother raised two boys in the same household, two completely different outcomes, mm-hmm. right? One 180 degrees opposite than me is my younger brother, right? Who I get to see and I'm always reminded of the injustice of the system against those that are poor. I'm always reminded of it because it's affecting my brother directly. And, and then you get someone like me who, of course, is now part of this new world. And so she says, you know, when you're in a cycle of poverty, you also have these things called undisclosed rules. So every, every class has unspoken rules they adhere, adhere to, right? So, for example, in, when you're poor, one of your unspoken rules is that... Um, you know where the food banks are. You know where the clothing banks are. Like these are things that you just know, right? Uh, you tend to share more of your food and you tend to give freely without thinking about the consequences. You kind of just give it all away because, well, what do you have? Um, whereas if you're in the upper class, if, if you're in the upper class, the, now if you, again, the idea here is you go from, if you go from poverty into new money, right? If you go from this to here. So in, in, the, in the super wealthy, their unspoken rules, and this is how they define you as being wealthy, is that you had the same school from elementary to a high school. You went to the same elite university for all four years. Um, you, you've also been outside of the United States. Outside of the United States, you've been out at least twice. At least twice you've, been, you've traveled more than twice outside of the U.S. Um, and you have artwork 
that is not just there to hang on the wall, it's considered an investment. Whereas, of course, if you're born into poverty, though, for us, it's so cute. The art is typically the hand drawings of our pictures from elementary school or something like this, right? Which I get wealthier class could do this, but they get the idea. One is, one is investment, one is like super cute, right? So it's interesting to like read and kind of come into that because in many ways, I've, been, I've always straddled both, right? I got one foot that's always reminded of the injustice and the poverty and, you know, I know what that comes from. I know what it feels like. And then the other foot that steps in here and goes, I've been to France every other year. I have a French family. You know, I'm thinking about buying a French house there eventually. I started a French restaurant over there. Um, we're still in the works of finalizing it. Like, uh, technically, I have reached wealth. Nice. Right? But then there's always this still like you, who's you, who's just like, I'm just here. I'm just in the moment. I just go with the flow and you know, blah, blah, blah. But anyways, I don't know. I'm sidetracking there, but you get what I'm saying. No, you're doing awesome. Because I, when I was little, it used to drive me crazy because my, both my parents were employees and I knew it. And my friends who were rich, their parents were all entrepreneurs. And it drove me nuts because I knew I was missing out on the conversation at the dinner table, that that's where you find out how to be rich. Mm. It wasn't like hanging around them. It wasn't going to parties with them. It was the dining room table, it was the cleaning your room. It was like, how did they do it? Like whether they did it or not, it was, there were those little things that I just so desperately wanted to figure out what they were. And, and yeah, then I find out that there's books written on it. And it's like, Yahoo! <laughs> <laughs> Reading this shit, studying, dog-eared. <laughs> oh yeah, I was licking the information off the pages going, I want this so bad. Yeah. yeah. And you know, it's funny. So when I got my, my master's in education, we called it the art of teaching and the science of teaching, mm -hmm. right? So like there's the application and there's the theory. And in a way, entrepreneurship can be like that too. You could have like the art of entrepreneurship and then the science of entrepreneurship, right? Mm -hmm. And luckily for me, you know, when you just said that, what came to my mind was my biological father, who was my mother's, um, my mother's playmate, I guess, her boyfriend. I don't know what you want to call him. But he was married. He had, he had five of his own kids and they didn't know, but we were his second family. And so we were basically like the byproducts of that affair. And so to speak. And for 14 you're a love years. Child. You're a love child. That's I know, right? So cute. Um, and it's funny because I always think to myself like, okay, like I remember a while back going, I'm 50% my mother, 50% my father, like 50%, right? So you have to kind of embrace some of these things. Mm -hmm. And so what I learned is that my father... Was, my father's actually the entrepreneur. I would, I later realized that he actually had a full-time job as a mechanic, his own mechanic shop. And then at nighttime, he was a janitor. This is how he was able to come see my mother. You see? So for those of you wanting to second double your life up, now you know what to do. Become a janitor. Become a janitor. <laughs> so <laughs> he's so not like, going to happen. <laughs> he's like 78 years old, by the way. This is the last I heard. That's a whole other story, by the way. I actually, in my mind, he died at the age of 23, but that's a whole other story. But um, needless to say, he was, he was the entrepreneur right? My mother was the orator. So in the discipline times, which was every night, my mother would get super stoned. And in fact, when I started to write one of my other chapters, I would talk about three ways you can ruin mom's high. And because depending on the way you ruin her high was the severity of the punishment. Mm -hmm. And um, she was the only one that I'm aware of, besides my brother, they get angry when they're stoned. Otherwise, most people I know are chill. But anyways, um, so she would, of course, would always give us a reason like why she was disciplining us, right? And it was, of course, it was always Bible-driven and God-driven, right? All the time, constantly. But my mother would discipline us for an hour, an hour and a half, would be on our knees. That's why I'm able to talk to you for the last two hours. 
but we would be on our knees, standing with our arms crossed and listening to her for these hours and hours. And what I, what I discovered is that my mother is the one that's the orator. She's the storyteller. She's the one that, well, honestly, my mother's like me. If you were to talk to her, she would captivate you in the same way I managed to, right? And then you got the father who is the entrepreneur. He was the guy that was like, I'll go make my own living, whatever that living is, but I'll make my own. And that's kind of why I believe, honestly, why I'm an entrepreneur. And I'm not just like Joe Schmo entrepreneur anymore. I'm like a serial entrepreneur, right? Because serial entrepreneurs create a lot of businesses. And if you're not a tax savvy individual, you end up creating a lot of tax problems for yourself. That's what mm -hmm. happens. But because I do, I'm like, yep, JB Financial. That You want to you hear my business plan? JB yep. Financial, tax planning firm. That's the multi six figure company, right? It handles all the tax plans, the compliance, tax work, accounting, bookkeeping, you know, inc uh, incorporations, all that stuff. It does all of that work. Naked Tax Talk would become and is my marketing company. It mm -hmm. attracts the people, right? It makes them aware of me. It feeds into JB Financial, right? Mm -hmm. Then I created Naked Tax University, which is going to be the upcoming business, which is going to be the one that's going to do the coaching programs and stuff like that, right? Yep. And then, um, yeah, so those are like all these, but they're all designed for the purpose of fulfilling JB Financial. Because it's funny, you mentioned businesses being extensions of ourselves. I also, we use the analogy that businesses are like our children. And each time we create a business, we are giving birth to a new child, mm -hmm. right? That's the reality. Absolutely. And as we know, children, they eat. And what do they eat? They eat money. That's what they eat. <laughs> Right? So you're yes, always constantly feeding these guys all the time. And if you treat them really well and you protect them and you take care of them, right? Like JB, he's 18 years old. JB now takes care of me, right? Things are getting done right now in the back end as we, as we speak, right? Is why I'm able to see Clearly they would have to be. Otherwise <laughs> we'd both be grown broke. <laughs> I know, right? So like it's, also, it's, it's an 18 year old. It's self-sustaining. Mm -hmm. And then I once in a while, I'm like the reverse. I'm like, hey son, can I borrow a hundred bucks? And he's like, okay, right? And he, you know. <laughs> and then Naked Tax Talk, he's still an infant. He's a year old. He's about a year old now, a year and a month old or so, right? And what we know about infants is that they crawl and then they start to learn how to walk, right? And in a way, Naked Tax Talk, his legs are his followers, right? The subscribers, the people that are becoming part of my world. Like Facebook, Naked Tax Talk on Facebook, I think we're up to 300 and something followers there, right? 31, 37 now, I think of the last time I looked at YouTube. And then my personal page, I think it went from, okay, back in the day, how big is your list, right? How big is your dick? So I was like, oh, it's barely like four inches, you know? Now I'm like, yeah, bitch, it's like nine, nine and a half uncut, right? Like, right? Because, walking tripod. Walking it. That's it. So <laughs> because that's what happened on my Facebook page too, it also jumped up, right? The list increased. So anyway, so I'm like, this is our legs. He's learning how to walk right now, right? This is naked tax talk. Jonathan Bengal, Jonathan Bengal Coaching or Jonathan Bengal Enterprises, which technically falls under Naked Tax University, that's still a sperm cell. I mean, it still hasn't come out yet. It's still just, it's still jesting, right? We're still figuring out, you know, the, the DNA is mixing right now. It's still figuring out what I think you're in the gestation period, actually. It's I in think. gestation. I, yeah, because yeah, it's like... <laughs> You've actually, definitely conceived. You just have... <laughs> just yes, haven't birth yet. <laughs> it's, it's evolving because eventually it's, I'm going to give birth to it, right? Mm. so that's the truth that's the reality and what i also know about businesses is that my teenager jb right this he's he is an honorary teenager he thinks he knows it all right so that's why i had like go ahead 
I was going to say, so if ideas are like sperm, you know, don't waste them in a sock. <laughs> Every idea sacred, every is good. <laughs> it's true. So you got to, you should have a sock laying around because that way, you know, Collect you can that draw, stuff. Collect you can draw your ideas out. You hey, there I mean? you go. So, um, yeah, any who's blues. So what I also know is that and I observed this through working with clients that have more established companies, right? The ones that have been in business 10 years, 15 years, or you know, even longer than that, like 30 years, right? And they're already like almost a million dollars in revenue, something like that. When they get ready to succeed and they get ready to dispose and get rid of, right? The idea here is that your business becomes old enough, senior enough to now take care of you which is the whole reason why I remember when I was in college, it's so hilarious. I'm just now thinking of it. I wrote on paper, I wrote an essay called, it was in my finance class. I wrote, children are a bad investment. And I laid, <laughs> yes, out, my, <laughs> and I laid out my reasons, right? And yep. um, I laid out my reasons. And, and I said, you know, at the end of the day, you'll spend about, you'll invest about a million dollars into a child. And the real reason why, in my opinion, why most people have children is sure they want to extend themselves, but at the end of the day, they're also hoping someone's going to take care of them when they're old and gray and wipe their ass. Well, here's what I know about children. There are not, they have their own minds and there's no guarantee they're going to wipe your ass and there's no guarantee they're going to put you in the nicest of homes, right? There's no guarantee. A business, on the other hand, I can structure it so that I step away and it still takes care of me, even though I'm old and gray and it will stay alive. It lives beyond me. This becomes the legacy. Which is why, interestingly enough, my show is Naked Tax Talk Raw with Jonathan Bengal. Why? Because I already knew that at some point in my, in my lineage, it's going to become Naked Tax Talk with so-and-so-and-so. Mm-hmm. Nice. So that's, that's my analogy of kids, by the way. And I love it. I had like five ideas in there. Went, <laughs> I just kind of, I was like, don't be in the moment. Catch on what's going on. I know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> well, that's why you have to have your magic book. And then you just got to, exactly. you know, spit those out. You know. Absolutely. Oh, that's what it was. It was your, your business will take care of you in your old age if you structure it properly. Yes. It, which yeah. takes me back to my, you have to have strategy. You have to have the right systems. You have to have the right support and you have to have the right state of mind. And then you create a business that is seven figures beyond and you can walk away from and it still takes care of you. That's it. That is it. I never imagined, I never imagined I would be in this moment right here having this conversation with you. I never, ever imagined this to be my life. I never thought it was possible. Um, you know, like, for example, the first time I saw people speaking from stage and how inspired I was and how in, I was just in, in, enamored with it all. And I remember Iman, what a great man he is, by the way, on many levels, and, and we'll leave it at that. And um, I remember when he basically told his story and he had said, you know, like, because he was from, from Iran. And at the time he moved to Canada and couldn't speak English and um, or was very broken English and stuff. And he couldn't get a job because of his accent. And so he went out and created his, now it's called the ultimate course creation formula and would ultimately bump into public speaking. And he had said that, you know, people wouldn't even give him stages to talk to, stop to speak on, right? And a year ago, I thought that meant like a stage, like a platform with seats and rows in front of you, right? Like I thought that was the stage. 
what I didn't realize is that the stage is what we're doing right now, which is the creation of the podcast, the creation of my show, right? It's the, it's getting out there and talking at networking events. That's really the stage. It doesn't have to be this, this it doesn't have to be a stage like we think of like in a theater, right? Mm-hmm. Anyway, so he had said that and I thought to myself, man, I want a stage. And I wanted it so bad. I really did. Like I really wanted my own stage. So JB, Jonathan, me, um, we, all of us, we are very compulsive and we can never be told no. So I decided I would go create my own stage. And that's how you get Naked Tax Talks subconsciously built because I wanted a platform because I couldn't wait you know what I mean? I couldn't wait. And now, of course, it's so beautiful because now what's happening, especially with the launch of the book I've been noticing the last few weeks, is the amount of attention it's garnering, which means now all of a sudden I'm being more demanded of to come on to talks and do more podcasts. And so I've actually, now that I think back on it, I've been on so many different radio shows and podcasts and talk shows, really try to, trying to get my name out there. I mean, how many summits I've been on. Um, and back then, again, my favorite talk was Sex and Entities. Um, and, and now, of course, as you know, I mean, I'm slowly, and that's probably why actually earlier to the earlier show with you, I was kind of botching that introduction because I, I will admit to you that I'm in the process of changing it, right? And so part of what I've learned is that you can write it all day long, babies, all day long. You can write out your script. But the reality is, is it will never go down the way you wrote it. Never, <laughs> never. So I like to just kind of go with the flow and I'm improvising to a degree while also delivering the things I know I have to deliver, if that makes sense. Absolutely. And I, you just reminded me and I, I'm going, hmm, I wonder if I should put these episodes in the business ownership mindset or business ownership podcast, or if I should start up the one that I've wanted to for a long time and haven't started is the little blue pill for business. And this would fit in there perfectly. <laughs> you know, here's what I'll share with you personally. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I, and I give this advice for the mere fact that we are simply mere reflections of each other, right? Plain and simple. So Absolutely. when I talk to you, I know I'm talking to myself and I know when you're talking to me and you're talking to yourself, but I also know that it's my reflection coming back at me. That makes sense? Mm-hmm. Which I discovered on my own, by the way, playing in the mirror, looking at myself and playing in the mirror and going, I got to stop talking negative shit about myself and picking on my balding spots and my roles and, you know, and instead look at the things that people always tell me about all the time, right? My beautiful smile, my you dimple. You keep dimple, your awesome eyes. You're yes. So and going, you know what? Yeah, they're right. <laughs> you're, you're adorable. Right? Thank we you. Yeah. Like I now own it. Yeah. So what I'll say is this, and I can't, I cannot speak to you with like this righteous indignation because I'm not there other than if you feel like doing it, the only thing you can do is to do it and play with it. That's the only thing you can do because like naked tax talk, I'm at a tax conference with a whole bunch of gray haired old men primarily, right. Who are still stuck in like 1935, right? Like this is where they're at. I shouldn't say that about all my people. So if you're listening, I don't mean offense to you, but I do. So, <laughs> but if you are, you can self-identify. <laughs> there you go. Thank you. But if you do, you know who you are. <laughs> and um, so I was wearing a bathrobe. I wore this big, huge, fluffy bathrobe. Um, and I got the looks, I got the, the looks that I got in the hallway walking in Vegas in the convention center were two types. They were the type that were condemning me and the type that were like very curious and they wanted to be my friend. 
And those two particular looks took me back to my high school years when I would get the same looks by the people who called me faggot, queer, homo, and spit on me and beat me up. And the same look from the people that were like, I want to be your friend. Hello. How are you? I think you're amazing. Right. Mm-hmm. And so what I was finding is I had no naked tax talk. Isn't it's not even in my sperm. It's just like not even there. And so I'm wearing this bathrobe and that's why it's my quiz is based on a bathrobe. So originally it was all bathrobes and this is supposed to be a symbolism of the bathrobe. So I'm at the it's just a smoke and a hot silk. Thank bathroom. you. I know. Oh my God. <laughs> and Vancouver, Canada is where you can get them. So I, I am approached by somebody and I'm, I'm tired of saying it's cause I'm cold. And I just blurted out, oh, yeah, I'm a host of a show called Naked Tax Talk where we bear down in the naked truth about our taxes. And we talk about personal business and financial. Just (laughs) Nice. I had no idea what Naked Tax Talk was, what it was supposed to be. I had not yet discovered the art of inspirational speaking or motivational speaking. None of that. It just just came out, right? Because, again, the universe meant it to be. And that same night, I, rel- I recognize I don't have any protections. I don't have any trademarks and nothing, right? Came out completely naked. And so I'm like, I got I to gotta put some clothes on it. So I ran upstairs to my hotel room. My mom was, I flew my mom out to spend time with me. And um, my mom's like, oh, she wanted to hang out. Me, oh, you know, I, go, mom, I, can't, I can't right now. I got to work, you know. <laughs> So <laughs> I'm like, so I created the Facebook page, which is why if you click on there's a, a picture of a dog with a robe again, because it started with the bathrobe. Um, I created, so I created the Facebook page. I went and incorporated it. It created, started the trademark process, like all of that stuff. I began that like overnight and I had no idea what it really meant. I just knew I created it because I, I just threw it out there. And same thing with ABCs of deductions. Like I said earlier, like I just threw it out there. I didn't know when I was going to use it. Now I'm really, I'm using it. And so I guess what I'm saying is, is if you want to do it, do it. Well, thank you, baby. I just got to figure it. out how to find more crazies like us that <laughs> have a half decent conversation about growing your business and uh, with a couple of metaphors in the way. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I'm, I mean, I'm totally down with it. I mean, I mean, I definitely really, cause I finally hired me a social media specialist, uh, mm-hmm. you know, the, the beginning part of all this. And she had said that she had said, um, she had said, I noticed that you've grown this organically because I don't spend any money on advertising as far as like Google and Facebook and stuff. And she says, I noticed that you've been organically growing this side of it. And I said, absolutely. She goes, there's a lot of power here. And I mean, it takes time. As we know, it takes time. It's got to brew. It's got to grow. Um, but I would totally support you. And I totally promote the hell out of that little blue pill. Fuck yeah. Um, right. Especially if I brought you on, if especially if I brought it in conjunction with, so I do want to do an episode called Don't Get Caught With Your PP, parentheses, P out. And that's for here, it's the Paycheck Protection Program Plan. So they, they created <laughs> another amendment to it just recently. And I wanted to talk about not getting caught with your PP out. Well, you know we're going to end on that note. Stay tuned for our next episode. It's a continuation of our conversation. Thank you for listening to the Little Blue Pill for Business podcast with your mistress in business, Michelle Nedelec. Why are you still here? Go to littlebluepillforbusiness.com and get your goodies. If you enjoyed the show, be sure to share it with somebody else that you know would enjoy getting it up in business after you subscribe to the podcast, of course, so you won't miss any future episodes. Now, check the notes for links. Oh, and only tell your wife if she's into this, you know, entrepreneurship. And I'll see you both on the other side.